Readings taken from Matthew 20. If you've got a church Bible next to you and you want to uh, follow that, then it's uh, page 988 in the church Bible in Matthew 20, starting verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. Lord, they answered. We want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to be here on a harvest morning. But I wonder if you, like me, sometimes wonder about praying. We know we should, uh, and we do, but sometimes it all feels a bit futile. I sort of think my prayers just seem to not achieve what I think God expected and had intentions of our prayers achieving. So I want us to think this morning about how we make our prayers more effective. Now, please don't get me wrong, I haven't got the answers. I don't have the most effective prayer life ever. Um, But it's things that God's been laying on my heart over the last couple of weeks. And it's really challenged me, and I hope it will challenge you too, about our prayer lives. So, we're going to begin with a Welsh preacher, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. Some of you will have heard of him. And he wrote, There is no greater misrepresentation of the Christian message than that which depicts it as offering a life of ease with no battles or struggles. Sooner or later, every believer discovers that the Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. So, Paul in the Bible tells us that we are given weapons to fight this battle, and prayer is one of them. So maybe we shouldn't be surprised that prayer isn't always easy. It's a battlefield. It's not a playground. The disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. So presumably they'd worked out that prayer was really, really important too. But do we? Is it part of our life? Is it our everyday life? Do we pray at every moment? I certainly don't. I think God is much more serious about prayer than we are. And harvest is a brilliant reminder of how good God is. He provides for us practically for our daily lives. It reminds us of creation, of the wonderful things he's made. And it's a great way to start our prayers. On Wednesday evening when we were here um, during the prayer day, Pads reminded us about Acts chapter 4 which is the prayer that Peter and the Christians prayed when he was released from prison. Two-thirds of the prayer is praise and worship and thanksgiving. 
two-thirds of it. And then just at the end are their requests. Very interesting requests they are too. Enable us to speak boldly and perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. And that's it. Nothing vague or wishy-washy about their prayers. They really meant what they said. It's a really good model for us. Let's spend much more time praise and worship before we get on to the list of needs that we invariably have. So what other ideas can we get from Scripture about how we should pray? Well, obviously the Lord's Prayer is the starting point. It's a major example for us to adopt. But there are a few other bits and pieces that the Lord has been showing me this week. And it was those that I wanted to point out. Look at today's reading. Jesus walked past the beggars. And there was a lot of noise. The beggars were shouting out. And Jesus would have known exactly what they wanted. It must have been obvious to everybody what they wanted. And yet, he stops and asks them a question. What do you want from me? He wanted them to verbalise their request. He wanted them to be specific, to know what they were asking for. Not just shouting out, have mercy on us. I'm sure God knows what's in our hearts too when we come to pray. But he also wants us to verbalise things. He wants us to know what we're asking for. If he asked exactly the same question of us today, what do you want from me? I wonder what we'd answer. Would we know what to say? I think I'd be a bit thrown. I think I'd go, um, well... I want, and I maybe, you know, and all sorts of things would go through my mind, but I'm not sure I would be really specific. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered because we don't really know what we're asking for. It's easy to pray vague prayers, hedging our bets in case no answer comes, so we never know whether God's answered. Maybe it was just coincidence. We don't give God any glory when we ask, when we ask vague, wishy-washy prayers. I think God wants us to be specific, to be bold. And as we pray boldly and specifically, God can demonstrate his power in the answer. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? God's power, God's love, God's amazing character coming through. And we don't give him the opportunity if we don't step out in faith when we pray. And when God does answer prayers, we need to talk about it. We need to tell people. We need to testify. I don't know about you, but when somebody gets up on a Sunday morning and says what's happened this week and, and is able to testify to something God specifically answered, it makes you feel good. It makes you think, well, if he can answer that person's prayer... Maybe he can answer mine as well. It builds your faith. It just is an amazing time. So often God answers our prayers and we just keep it to ourselves. So I'm going to practice what I'm preaching, okay? Um, on, I've had a bit of a rough week and on Friday it culminated with I had some electrical work done, they turned the power off. When they turned it back on, everything was fine apart from the internet. I've had issues with the internet before. So I knew what this meant. Hours of poking little sticks into holes to try and reset it, 
to do um, download things, do phone up people who put me on hold and then transfer me. And so I knew what I was in for. So I spent Friday evening trying very hard to contact the provider and do think, get it sorted. They couldn't find anything wrong with it, but it didn't work. And I was really frustrated. Went to bed, got up the next morning, no different. And I was talking to Pads in the morning, on Saturday morning, and I said, right, I'll go, I'll go into the burn um, in Reading in the 10 days of prayer this afternoon, and maybe, you know, maybe things will be better. I went home, and I sort of said to God, God, you can sort my internet out. I am sick and tired of this. And I went off in not a very good frame of mind. I had a really amazing time in the um, worship service. It's just lovely. Came home and um, without really thinking it, said to my husband, oh, I don't suppose the internet's working, is it? Sort of very half-heartedly. And he looked at me and goes, yes, came on this afternoon. And you think, God can do the practical things as well. And that is just, you know, it's a simple thing. It wasn't earth-shattering. It didn't, you know, it didn't ruin my life. But it does make a difference that God cares about the small details of our life. And it's good to share it, to, to encourage other people. So just look at the moment in our reading at where it took place. It was outside Jericho. Now, I don't know about you, but having grown up through Sunday school and things like that, when somebody talks about Jericho, I think, oh, the walls fell down. That is what, what Jericho means to me. Um, so I was sort of looking at this and thinking, that's interesting that it was in, it was in Jericho. If you don't know the story, God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 6 to take the army and the priests and to walk around this walled city every day for six days. And then on the seventh day, he was to walk around it seven times and then they would have their answer. Well, they did exactly that. They walked around. And after the seventh time of walking around, they blew their trumpets and the walls of the city fell down. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about prayer. And I thought, actually, when we have issues in our life, it's a bit like Joshua faced with Jericho. How were they going to bring this city down? What were they going to do? God didn't just do it for them. He made them put in the effort. It was the largest walled city around in the, at that time. So in my head, I'm thinking of York because that's the only walled city I can sort of visualise. You take an army, and in the preceding chapters, it says there were 40,000 armed men. You walk those people round a city, um, especially on the last day when they did it seven times. That takes a lot of effort, a lot of endeavour, a lot of perseverance. And then the walls fell down. And it's a bit like that with our prayer. We have to persevere. We can't just sort of do a prayer and think, oh, that's it, we're done, you know, God will do it now. Sometimes he does. In, in the story, he healed the people instantly. But it's not always like that. Sometimes God teaches us to persevere. So sometimes you have issues like family situations, maybe they're away from God, um, health, our jobs, things like that. You need to persevere if we're going to get anywhere with our prayer life. But will God answer all our prayers? This is where I've become really challenged. I grew up with, God says, yes, wait, 
No. Well, actually, that um, covers every single eventuality, doesn't it? Because it's like a traffic light. You know, you've got one or the other or the bit in between. The Bible doesn't actually say that. The Bible tells us that there are things that can stop our prayers, that can hinder God from listening to us, that he doesn't want to answer our prayers, presumably, if these things are going on in our lives. So we're just going to take a quick look at four things that I found in the Bible that hinder our prayer life. And maybe it's something we need to think about and um, see if they apply to us. The first one is humility, which the definition is, have a low estimate of one's own importance. It's a really well-known scripture, well, there are lots of them, but this particular one, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. It says, if my people humble themselves, pray, seek my presence, and turn their back on their wicked lives, then I'll be there for them. So humility is actually a prerequisite to getting our prayers answered. And in Isaiah it says, I dwell in high and lofty places, but I also dwell with the humble in spirit. So humility is obviously one of the things we need in our lives. The same verse also pulls up our lifestyle. In Isaiah 58, um, there is a question that says, why do we fast and humble ourselves and yet you don't notice? Well, in the same chapter, there is the answer to the question. And I'm going to read it to you if this iPad stays still. This is the, the kind of fast day I'm after to break the chains of injustice, get rid of exploitation in the workplace, free the oppressed, cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is share your food with the hungry, invite the homeless into your homes, put clothes on the shivering ill-clad, be available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on. Then when you pray... God will answer. You will call out for help, and I'll say, here I am. So it's very challenging. Our lifestyle makes a difference. Thirdly, how do we ask? Well, in James chapter 1, it says, uh, verse 6 and 7, If you don't know what you're doing, pray to the Father. He loves to help. You'll get his help and won't be condescended to when you ask for it. But then it goes on. Ask boldly, believingly, without a second thought. People who worry their prayers are like wind-whipped waves. Don't think you're going to get anything from the master that way. Adrift at sea, keeping all your options open. So it's back to being bold, being specific, knowing what we're asking for. And finally, another one from James. He has a lot of very interesting little bits in there. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So it's just things that we need to be aware of. We need to bring before God and see how we stand in our lifestyle. Are we stopping our prayers being effective because some of these things are getting in the way. Effective praying 
is just being prayer being part of our lives. I tend to think, I don't know about you, but people in the Bible had their prayers answered. They must have been different from me. Yeah. You see amazing things went on. God did this, God did that. You know, And I just sort of think, well, that's not going to be me. But actually, they were only human beings, just like us. And some of them messed up pretty badly. I mean, David is the prime example. I mean, he committed adultery and murdered and everything else. And yet God still used him, still spoke to him, still answered his prayers. So what was the difference? Well, I think the people in the Bible that we read about are sold out wholeheartedly for God. I think prayer wasn't just something that they did once a week or once a day even. I think they lived it, but they paid the cost. It wasn't an easy life for them. A lot of them suffered badly with it. Um, So we have to sort of be prepared to think, do we want to be wholeheartedly sold out for God? Do we really want our prayer life to be effective? And I just want to finish with something I read um, the other day. That somebody has written, um, his name is Mark, somebody or other, and I can't remember, it's a book called Circles of Prayer. Um, And it's a a bit he's written about prayer being part of our everyday life. Prayer is not for the pastor, not for the vicar only. Prayer is for everybody. And it's the difference that prayer makes in our lives. And he's written, Prayer is the difference between appointments and divine appointments. Prayer is the difference between good ideas and God ideas. Prayer is the difference between the favour of God and the luck of the draw. Prayer is the difference between closed doors and open doors. Prayer is the difference between possible and impossible. And prayer is the difference between the best we can do and the best God can do. So let's just see if we can this week be challenged. I've been really challenged. I haven't got the answers, haven't got it sorted but it's really challenged me. Are there things in my life that are stopping my prayer life being effective? God is really gracious, and he answers prayers even when we mess up. He did with David. He does with us. But wouldn't it be great if we could be a church that was full of praying people and we were seeing God answer our prayers in the most amazing ways?